Locked On Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, my name is Kevin Weiss. I'm Ulysses Sombrano. And we're the host of the Locked On Rays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making Locked On Rays your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On Rays is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube at Locked On Rays. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Rays. And you can email us anytime, LockedOnRays at gmail.com. And if you're looking to support what we're doing as a podcast, check out our alternate site, buymeacoffee.com slash raise unfiltered. That's buymeacoffee.com slash raise unfiltered. We'll put the description or the link for that in the podcast description. Uh, Ulysses, we ran part one of our lengthy interview with Colin Pochet. We run part two today and he discusses in this episode what it's like to pitch a Tropicana field, the value that Mike Zanino provides to a pitching staff, Colin's personal pregame routine and preparations, why the Rays have been so successful with their pitching development, and what makes Kevin Cash such a special manager. So a lot of good tidbits from Colin Pochet in this episode. It's definitely a peek behind the curtain, which all of us baseball fans uh, can't get enough of. And of course, if you're listening to this, you're pretty much a uh, diehard race fan. Mm -hmm. So you're going to really enjoy all of this stuff. I mean, he talks about that, that energy at the trop in, in Troptober and, and his day in the life as a, as a pitcher in a homestand, what he does to get ready before a game. It's its really a, a cool part uh, of the interview. I think all of it is pretty cool, yeah. but, uh, you know, well, let's talk about episode two, and uh, I think you guys are going to really enjoy this. Without further ado, here's more of Tampa Bay Rays relief pitcher Colin Pochet. Yeah, like, can we get a police escort next time? <laughs> yeah, guys that are making their major league debut, <laughs> something like that had to bring you back down to earth a little bit. Like, it's little league. Like, hey, mom's dropping me off. I got to run to the park. Yeah, I got to get there in time. Dad's got a meeting. Mom's gonna, you know, yeah. take you to the subway. <laughs> you know, <laughs> open the van doors and throw you out. Hey, get to the game. Exactly. Um, by the way, when you were walking to Fenway Park and you had the raised duffel bag, did were there? I mean, we know how Boston fans can be. Mm -hmm. Did you get any hate or anything or anybody making any comments as you were? I mean, they probably say, oh, this guy looks like a big dude. I don't know if I want to mess with him. But like what? any comments or any looks or anything like that? Or, or you were just kind of in a, I'm trying to get to the ballpark. I don't yeah. care. One track mind sort of the deal. I got I got a couple of weird looks. Nobody really said anything to me, probably because I was moving so fast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I did tell people I was like, you know, thank God I don't play for the Yankees. Like, I don't think they would have let me made it to the mm. stadium if I was carrying yeah. a Yankees bag through there, you know, but. Um, everyone was nice. No one really said anything. I saw a couple of people just kind of looking at me like I was stupid, but I was, <laughs> that was probably cause I was sprinting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, uh, that rest of the, the year, um, uh, turned out to be a pretty good season for, for, for the team, go mm -hmm. to the playoffs. What is it like to, in the same year of being in the minor leagues, then get to the playoffs? Like how does, do, do you, do you just like you're saying there, it was so rushed getting to the ballpark that it didn't, it didn't make sense for you to even be nervous about the moment about mm. your debut. Is it the same thing throughout the season? It's day after day, day after day. And then boom, you're in the playoffs. And then you're like, Oh, 
afterwards, you're like, holy crap, I was in the playoffs. Is that yeah. how it was? Um, you know, once we actually got to the playoffs, it felt more like a normal, just a normal game. And I, I think it's just because the whole month of September, we were in that tight wild card race. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, especially the last two weeks, we had, you know, a lot of games against Boston, um, teams where we were competing against for that last spot. And so really the, just the games, the whole month of September, there was that sense of urgency that, that, you know, we're in a playoff race. And so kind of every, every game down that stretch felt like, like it was a playoff game. So um, I think that was really beneficial is just you, you felt by the time you got to the playoffs, you felt like you had been there before because you were, you were playing with that mindset um, for the last month or so. Um, But I mean, there's so many guys who, you know, get called up and they're stuck on bad teams for so much of their career. And, um, you know, there's a bunch of good players who don't even see the playoffs for, you know, however long. And so, to be thrown into that your first year. I mean, that's, that's all you can ask for is a, a chance to go out there and compete on the highest level like that. And, um, you know, the, the wild card game against Oakland and then the five game series against the Astros were, are still just some of the most fun games I've played in just, just the atmosphere and the electricity in the stadiums. And, um, you can't get that anywhere else. So, um, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to the most this next year is, is getting back into that environment to a point where we can, compete to get to the place we want to be you talk about the electricity you talk about uh the atmosphere obviously uh, we know as race fans uh, we get a pretty crappy reputation of the attendance talk and mm-hmm. all that stadium stuff but can you talk about the positive of those yellow you know towels waving in october and there's something about the trop that when you're in the playoffs in those seats in those blue mm-hmm. seats it's just loud. Is it as loud when you're on the mound, when you're on the field? Can you hear that thunderous claps and yells and 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 and, and just ecstatic uh, atmosphere from the crowd? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the trop in the playoffs was was one of the loudest stadiums we'd been in that year. And you know, we were playing in Dodger Stadium, Yankee Stadium, where they're getting fifty thousand people, and and you know, we had thirty five thousand at the trop packed out, and it was it was as loud as I'd heard and you know, it's, it's definitely something you, you feel and you feed off of when you're on the mound, you can feel the buzz and feel the energy. Um, you know, in some of those games, I was, it was late in the game and, you know, everyone's standing up and all you can see are the yellow towels waving. And it's Mm. just, it just, man, it's just an awesome feeling. And you definitely, you feel that all the way inside and it, it definitely helps you, helps you, you know, adrenaline wise and, and just, you know, wanting to get the job done for everyone. But, um, you know, just with all those people there in the dome, you know, the sound's not going anywhere. It, it definitely gets loud and, and closing some games out when the game ends, you know, that's, that's still just one of the loudest I've heard a stadium be. Uh, how much is the trop, I guess, from your perspective or vantage point, pitcher friendly? Like how does that, does that benefit you at all in, in pitching in that dome compared to other places or other ballparks you've pitched in? Um, I think so. Yeah, I, I think it, it definitely seems to play. I think it's pretty neutral, but I think it leans probably pitcher friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just with all the other teams in the division, it, it makes it seem much more pitcher friendly. You know, you go to Yankee Stadium and it's 310 down the corners and, you know, you got Fenway with the short wall and you go to Baltimore and the ball just flies. So it's definitely it's definitely the best place in division to pitch. And um you know, you walk into the stadium from the parking lot and it's hundred degrees and you go inside and it's 72 and air conditioned. So, um, that's definitely nice. But, 
Um, I've always really loved pitching there. Um, I feel really comfortable in the dome for whatever reason. It's just a comfortable, like the backstop and the backdrop behind home plate, um, which is a big thing for pitchers. It just, it looks like you're, you're pretty close to the, to home plate. And so I think that helps guys too. And, um, just the comfort level of being at home is, is definitely helpful. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because they taste so good you'll want to eat them. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. That's not Built Bar. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, guess what? Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. So what do you have to do? You go to Built.com. You use promo code BLOCKED15, and you get 15% off your order. So remember, today, go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you will get 15% off your order at Built.com. Mm-hmm. And, and speaking of comfort level, uh, you know, a lot of people, we, we've gotten this before where there was so much criticism with Mike Zanino and his lack of offensive numbers at times, but I don't think people quite grasp the defensive side and what he brings to the table. And uh, I mean, this year offensively was, was insane for him, of course, but just previously um, just how does he provide comfort and balance to a pitching staff? Can you just kind of underscore his importance and how he helps the team and, and the team win? Yeah. So he's huge. He's, he's the motor to the pitching staff, you know, without, without him, the whole thing doesn't work. Um, you know, for one, he's so good defensively. Mm -hmm. Um, he's a big guy, so he's a big target back there and he's, you know, he's, he's one of the best frame pitch framers in the game. And so when you're, when you're talking about, you know, stealing strikes, that's changing at bats. That's, that's changing everything as a pitcher, you know, we're always taught, you know, if you throw strike one, here's what happens in the at bat. And it usually goes in your favor. And, you know, um, one, one counts that that next pitch is the most important because the swing between a two, one count to a one, two count changes the whole at bat. And so when you got a guy there who's stealing strikes like that, that's something to the normal fan that, that goes, you know, unnoticed, but when you're doing, you know, stealing strikes consistently over the course of a season that it makes your pitcher so much better um, they have so much more confidence just knowing that, you know, he's going to help you out back there. Um, and plus he's, he's, you know, he's been there. He's been, he's been around for a long time. He's been a really good player for a long time. And so when he talks, you know, we listen and, and we really trust, really trust what he puts down back there. When, when he puts down signs, I don't think too many guys shake too often because he's, he's so locked in and in tune with what you want to do as a pitcher that, um, you can tell he takes so much pride in it. And so I've always said, you know, what, whatever he does offensively is just bonus because mm-hmm. what he's doing behind the dish is just so valuable to who we are as a team. Um, you know, our game is run prevention, so it's pitching and defense. And, you know, you can't find two more important defensive positions in the pitcher-catcher relationship. So um, I'm really happy with the offensive season he's had. Yeah. It's obviously <laughs> helped him contract-wise going forward. And, you know, obviously the power he has has always been there. So for him to piece it together is just, just really awesome to see as a pitcher. Cause you know, we know he invests so much defensively 
that over the years he's probably had to, you know, put the offensive stuff in the backseat for a little, just, just Mm -hmm. to focus on, on pitching, you know, he's in every pitching meeting with us. So he's handling so many extra responsibilities that um, it's just really special to see what he was able to do at the dish and, you know, get the all-star selection and everything. And, and um, you know, we're so excited to, to be able to have him back again next year because he's just, he's really is that important to our team and, and what we're trying to do. When you talk about comfort level, you talk about pitchers meetings, you talk about the trot being a place that you like to pitch at. Us fans, we don't really get the behind the scenes of a day in the life of a major leaguer. So can you entertain us and go from uh, what time do you get up on a day where you're in a homestand? What's your morning like? When do you go to the ball game? What do you do when you get to the stadium? Mm -hmm. What happens there when you come back home? Can you take us through a day in the life of a major league pitcher? Yeah. Yeah. So first I think most guys probably sleep in during the season. Um, You know, the game games are long. They don't start till seven. So you're, you're getting home late. Um, Especially some of these bullpen guys, like once you get home, you're either, you're either really locked into the game and like you didn't pitch or you pitched and, you know, either way your adrenaline is so high that um, once you get home, like it's just impossible to shut it down and, you know, go to sleep that early. So um, that's why a lot of these, like when you have those day games after the night game, like guys are dragging just because you physically can't get to sleep. You just have so much energy still. So for me personally, you know, I, I sleep in a little, maybe like nine or 10, um, get some breakfast, head over to the field. We got to, if we have a seven o'clock game, I usually try to get there at like one, um, grab some lunch. You know, if, if I need to go in the training room, get anything done, do, do that then. If not, you know, go into the weight room. I have a, like a, a foam rolling and stretching routine that I like to do before we go out and play catch. And then, um, so usually we'll go play catch. Um, the hitters will take BP. Um, everybody comes back inside if, and then, you know, we'll have a food again then, or, um, we'll have, especially if it's the first game of the series, we'll have a big pitchers meeting, pitcher scouting meeting where we go over all the hitters and, you know, how we want to attack certain guys and, and basically what the game plan is for the next three or four games. Um, and then, you know, if you need to lift, get it in then, or just some other like maintenance work. And then, you know, probably everyone probably shuts it down. You have like an hour before the game kind of chilling. And then, um, you know, maybe about 30 minutes before game time, I like to just kind of like hop in the shower and kind of just refresh and restart everything and and then get dressed and go out and hang around the bullpen and wait for your name to be called, basically. Um, That's great. Now, I want to dive into something you've now mentioned twice, pitchers Mm -hmm. meetings. Can you take us through that? I mean, is, is that a bunch of brochures that you guys are giving out with graphs and, and equations? Like, what does it actually look like? Um, is it a lot of savant stuff? Or is it, like you said, the race make it easy, simple, and it's very digestible stuff? So, yeah, all the all the graphs and charts are basically handled behind the scenes by, you know, the scouting department and the pitching coaches and stuff. And, and that's all, like you said, geared toward keeping it simple for guys. Um because you can't be out there thinking about, you know, scouting reports and, and all that. You just got to have that knowledge in your brain just because competing by itself is hard enough. You can't be, you know, focused on other things. So in the meetings, they, they cover all the hitters that they have. Um, you know, they'll point certain guys' weaknesses out. Um, you know, this guy really struggles with breaking balls or, you know, this guy is actually one of the better breaking ball hitters in the league. And, 
um, they show us, you know, where we can, where we can attack this guy. And so, you know, as a reliever, especially, you know, we have so many guys with specific skill sets, you know, like me with my fastball or, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's someone like Chaz Rowe or Colin McHugh with their slider, like, so just kind of going through those meetings, you get a good sense of what batters you're going to face that series. Mm-hmm. Um, which is another big thing the Rays do is just with pitching alone, they they put guys in situations that are are suited to their abilities better than other teams. And so they they set you up to succeed before you even touch the mound before better than other teams do, in my opinion. Um, so those meetings are big. They give you a really good idea of you know, say the two, three, four hitters can't handle a high fastball. I, I know, I know when that part of the lineup comes around, you know, I, I need to be a little more prepared and a little, you know, have a game plan ready to go and stuff. So, um, but yeah, at the end of the day, they, they, they keep it really simple. Um, you know, throw strike one, throw strike two and get them yeah. to chase is basically the motto. So that's, that's what we stick to. And, and, you know, we've had a lot of success doing that. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website. So sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on L O C K E D O N. Again, that's L O C K E D O N to get started with that generous welcome bonus from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022 bet online. It is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. And it's where the game starts. Yeah. It's funny hearing Colin explain that it now makes a little bit more sense where we go back sometimes and play armchair quarterback of, Oh, why didn't Kevin cash or the team put in this guy in this situation? You know, there's not the, de facto closer role necessarily. Mm-hmm. And, and it kind of makes sense. Maybe you do have to look a little bit deeper and realize this pitcher, while his ERA on the year may not be as good as this other guy, he, his pitch shape and repertoire is better suited to this type of hitter. And, and I think that kind of, right. You, you kind of underscored that a little bit. Um, Colin kind of following up on that, uh, Kyle Snyder, how, how has he helped you develop and grow as a pitcher and just what he provides from a coaching perspective? Yeah, he, he's great. Um, I think one of the things he's really, really good at is just pouring confidence into guys. Um, you know, when you're doing your side work, you know, in between games or like, you know, before BP you're throwing and, you know, you're touching the mound and, and, you know, just getting your feel out there. He's just, really good at, you know, basically hyping you up without, without overdoing it. And, and like, you can tell it's genuine. He comes from a genuine place. And so he just does a really good job of making you feel good about like what your stuff is and who you are as a pitcher. And then, um, you know, on the other side of it, he's, he's also really good at um, if something's off, he can fix it really subtly. Or if there's something you want to develop, whether it's, you know, I want my, slider to get more horizontal sweep or you know this and that like i'm not staying behind my fastball and it's it's running instead of staying straight he's 
he's really good and really, you know, tuned in on each guy and how they move and and how they create the movement on their pitches that when something's off, he can, he can pretty much fix it right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he just, there's so many things that he does that, that keeps everyone confident in their abilities. That is just, is underscored for sure. Do you all ever talk about or joke about the number of mound visits he makes? Because I know that's been a running thing on social media and during the course of the game, or is it just like, we, we don't even realize it. We're just kind of, too locked in or zoned into the game, or I guess you really don't mind it. Like you'd rather have the the pitching coach come out and talk to you if, if, if able to, but I know that's been something where it's like, Oh man, Kyle Snyder coming out again, another mountain <laughs> visit. What's going on here? I, I haven't, I haven't actually, you know, thought of that from the inside. I haven't really thought that he makes a lot of mountain visits, but um, you know, I would, I would say that when he goes out there, it's, it's usually for something he see either sees something or, you know, you're in a jam and he's going out there to really just give you a breather. I think that's mm-hmm. probably 50% of the the meetings is he's going out there so you can, you know, slow your heart rate down, slow down and reset, refocus and go after the next hitter because that's one of the biggest the biggest dangers is, is you speed the game up and, you know, next thing you know, it's two hits in a row and then you walk a guy and everything's happening so fast. And so he's, he's really good at the timing of, of picking his spots to go out there and slow a guy down. And then um, I would be interested to see the stat on what batters do after his mound visits. Cause I would have to imagine they're pretty successful. That would be a pretty cool thing to have on yeah. Savant. Or, or well, graphs, something you know? tells me the proprietary analytics yeah. system. I think they've probably got that in the bank somewhere. Yeah, Colin <laughs> could get this information from yeah. the front office. Yeah, yeah I'm sure it. I'm not the first person to think of it. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Um, speaking of coaches, Kevin Cash, of course, winning his second straight manager of the year award. Um, something that few, I think Bobby Cox is the only other guy mm-hmm. to be able to do that. And he and Kevin Cash in particular is the first American League manager to be able to do that, winning back-to-back awards like that. Uh, can you just kind of we we know and, and we've talked about, you know, the the in-game managerial moves. That's something that we can, you know, see on the television and and uh see reading articles, but what he does behind the scenes that makes him a special leader, a coach, mm-hmm. and uh, just bringing some some calm levity and, and uh, fostering a good atmosphere in the clubhouse for mm-hmm. over the course of the season, just what he provides in that angle. Yeah, it's it's great. He, he keeps everything really loose. Um, you know, he, he is a trash talker, <laughs> but he, you know, he, he's able to take it. He gives it out, but he's able to take it. And I think that back and forth, you know, can make – make things seem not as serious and, you know, it's a little more playful. So, um, you know, guys are having fun, you know, him, him and Wendell are all, we're always ripping on each other. So <laughs> it's like, he just, he knows how to keep it really loose, you know, and everything. And, um, you, you see him out there like hitting ground balls with the fungos at infielders and, you know, he's hitting them as hard as he can. And, and you can tell <laughs> like he just loves what he's doing and the players feed off of that, you know, you can, you can tell when a manager like wants to be out there with the team and wants to be doing all these little, little, you know, tasks with the guys. Um, and he just, he just really keeps it light. And, you know, over the course of 162 games and, you know, a seven month season, like that's, that's one of the biggest things is, is how do we not focus on how much of a grind it is, but, but how do we make sure we're having fun and enjoying being around our teammates? And I, I think he does a really good job of fostering that. Now we've talked about baseball savant, so I kind of think I know where you're headed with with, with with this answer. But when you look at traditional stats, when you look at analytics, where are you in that camp? Are you one, the other, or you just use both? Because as a pitcher, 
you know, you have the, the big jumbo screen or jumbotron mm-hmm. telling you this is your thing. This is your, you know, all these stats. Where do you land on that? Um, you know, I, I'm probably somewhere in between. I, I do, you know, I, I think ERA, it has its value, but I do think it's a little overrated. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, it's just the facts. That's how many runs you gave up earned runs per nine innings so while it doesn't tell the whole story i do think it's a big a big picture big piece of the puzzle um there's a lot of advance i guess i mean k percentage and walk percentage i think are probably probably the biggest ones to me that just it shows you that you know you're doing the things you can control mm-hmm. and so those two and i think fip is really big because you know at the end of the day once once the ball leaves your hand like that's your part is done so um, you know, it can be easy to get caught up in all these numbers. And I do think a lot of these advanced stats are really good for, um, you know, evaluating players. But when it comes to our side and, and the, you know, the act of actually going out there and performing is, is you can get so caught up in, you know, too many of these numbers that it, it can almost take away that, that killer instinct of competing that got you there. Um, and so I think that's an easy trap to fall into is you get, you know, you get caught up in, Oh, you know, I, I struck three guys out, you know, who cares that I gave up two runs today? Like, you know, this and this were good. Like um, at the end of the day for us, it's about, you know, everything has, all your energy has to go into that process of making the best pitch you can for that single pitch. And then basically repeating it. Um, You know, once, once I leave, once the ball leaves my hand, I can't control the hitter. If he swings or takes it, I can't control the umpire. If it's a ball or a strike, if he puts it in play, um, I have no no control over whether, you know, my shortstop makes a play or, you know, the outfielder makes a play. So um, I think all those numbers are good, but I think it clouds a lot of players' judgment and it, it takes away from from that competitive instinct that got you to the level where you're at. So you definitely have to find find the right balance of in the moment, focusing solely on competing. And then, you know, maybe after the game, taking an honest evaluation of yourself through the analytics and letting letting that guide you to what, what you need to work on, you know, going forward. All right. That's part two of our chat with Colin Poche. We'll also have part three and part four. Part three will be this week, and then we'll run the final part uh, early next week. Thank you for making the Lockdown Rays podcast your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, the Locked on Bets podcast. That is also free and available on all platforms. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Stay safe and we will talk to you tomorrow.